welcome to the Pac-Man Podcast, Patriotic American Citizen. I'm Ted Flint on the BMG Network. Well, Target is going to close some stores, and it's not for the reasons you think. It's not because sales have fallen off. Maybe they have because of their woke policies. I'm sure that's hurt the bottom line. But the company, which is based in Minneapolis, will close locations in the usual areas, the areas you would suspect, high crime areas, Harlem in New York City, Seattle, Portland, and the San Francisco Bay Area. October 21st, stores in those areas will close. They're going to shutter those nine stores, I guess, across four states. And the reason is because of the crime. People are shoplifting, just walking in and out of the stores with uh, with impunity, not paying for the merchandise, just taking what they want and just leaving. And they don't pay a price for it. This is unbelievable. Actually, it's not unbelievable. In the times in which we live, and you know, one Bible verse I thought of when I read that story, it's 2 Timothy chapter 3, verses 1 through 5. In the last days, perilous times shall come. For men shall be lovers of their own selves, covetous, boasters, proud, blasphemers, disobedient to parents, unthankful, unholy, without natural affection, truce breakers, false accusers, incontinent, fierce, despisers of those who are good, traitors, high-minded, lovers of pleasures more than lovers of God, having a form of godliness, but denying the power thereof. Stay away from those people. Paul warns us. I mean, this is, you know, it's a major retailer and they're closing because they're not, they don't feel safe. We cannot continue operating these stores because theft and organized retail crime are threatening the safety of our team, our guests, and contributing to unsustainable business performance. There you go. For any business to prosper, there has to be safety. Laws have to be enforced. Criminals need to be put down one way or the other. They cannot be allowed to ply their trade. In these areas, high crime areas, you're not going. No business is going to want to set up. Anyway, that's uh, all on that. But you know, these these mayors of these cities, they're Democrats or liberals. You know, defund the police. That big movement a couple of years back in Portland and Seattle. Those are the worst cities in the country. High crime. Low IQ, collective IQ, no doubt, in those areas. And it's just, you know, you get what you deserve. You get the leadership you deserve. Keep voting for Democrats. Vote a Republican in once in a while. And see, you'll see the crime situation drop quickly. Now, we, we switch gears here a little bit. But it's, again, it's enforcing the laws of the land. That's the federal government's responsibility. The states are entrusted with the, keeping their citizens safe, enforcing the laws of their individual states. Keeping the public safe. That's the name of the game. That's the only reason government was formed initially. Kathy Hochul is deploying the National Guard, more National Guard troops uh, here in New York State to help the migrant crisis. It's not to you know keep these migrants from coming across our borders. No, that's not why the National Guard is being deployed. It's to help them. 250 additional personnel will focus solely on case management. These troops are going to assist migrants living at shelters, who are eligible to apply for work authorization, specific Venezuelan nationals who were granted temporary protected status by President Biden last week. Those are the people getting help from the National Guard. And, you know, Hochul's crying a different tune all of a sudden. She's warning about, oh, that we can't sustain this. We can't, we can't continue to do this. This, is, this. this isn't working. Well, you consider New York State a, a sanctuary state, New York City a sanctuary city. You got Mayor Adams. He's a Democrat. Hochul's a Democrat. The whole state is run by Democrats. 
And this is what you get. Thousands of these people, many of them yeah, well-meaning people, no doubt, looking for a better life here in the States. But they're, they're being bussed upstate and around the state. So, you know, it's, it's a problem for the entire state, not just New York City. Because Adams is bussing them, you know, elsewhere. Since the beginning of the summer, this has been happening. They call it a decompression strategy to help relieve the overcrowding. How about closing the borders? That would help relieve the overcrowding, wouldn't it? There's a legal fight brewing in New York State also over the city's right to shelter mandate. And I'm not going to get into that. It's just too much into the weeds. But the National Guard personnel will join about 1,900 other members in New York staffing hotels and emergency relief centers where the migrants are staying. The illegal aliens, we should say. And, uh, But, you know, I, I'm, I'm thinking about this. And these Democratic governors and mayors are learning a hard lesson that there are consequences to virtue signaling. You know, we know you're liberal and progressive and woke and all that. And, you know, anybody can come to our borders for any reason, fleeing any kind of oppression. Well, here they come. And now you have Andrew Cuomo, of all people. You talk about a, 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 why the change of heart in Andrew Cuomo? And maybe there isn't really a change of heart. He's an actor anyway, and a pretty good one. He was at a black church, naturally. I mean, he's, this guy is so transparent, Cuomo. He said over the weekend that uh, Mayor Adams in New York City is right to warn the migrant crisis could destroy the five boroughs. Then he bashed Hochul, his former number two in command. He also bashed President Biden over their policies. He called it madness, which it is, but it, it sounds funny coming from Andrew Cuomo. He said the federal government has failed to manage the problem. Well, that's true enough. Who's who's the head of the federal government? Joe Biden. Kamala Harris, Democrats, liberal Democrats. So he was at this uh, God's Battalion of Prayer Church in Prospect Lefferts Garden in Brooklyn, a mostly black church. They gave him, you know, a friendly reception. And uh, he's gone there a few times. Yeah, New York City's overcrowded. We know that. And Cuomo says that Hochul has refused to try to force other parts of the state to take migrants. And what did George Washington, arguably our greatest president, say about government? Government is not reason. It's not eloquence. It is force. Like fire, it is a dangerous servant and a fearful master. That's government. The people look to government for to solve all their problems. It's dangerous. And we see what happens when government gets too big and too, uh, too ominous and over, overstretches its its bounds and its reach. Former president, hopefully future president, Donald Trump, has a majority of support among registered voters in a hypothetical head-to-head matchup against Biden. Now, one poll had the, had the two dead, dead even at 46%. This is a Washington Post ABC News poll. Trump at 52%, Biden 42 I believe this poll. I think Trump is a good 10 points ahead. Bit polls. What do, what do polls mean at this stage of the game? We're over a year away from the election. But the post-ABC News poll shows Biden trailing Trump by 10 percentage points. Again, that's at odds with the other poll that was last week, had him at a dead heat. Trump was leading by six among registered voters in May, 49-43. And when you break down the polls, you know, it's, it's interesting when you break down polls. I'm not a big fan of polls, but this one's kind of interesting. On the age issue, Trump is up 24 points. As 74% say Biden, who would turn 82, will turn 82, or would, hopefully he does for his sake, 
at the start of the next term is too old to run for president. Just 50% say the same of Trump. Trump's going to be 78 by the start of uh, 2024. Trump leads Biden by 20 among voters 35 and younger. That's huge. Even a majority of Democrats and Democrat-leaning independents do not want Biden to run for re-election. 62% want someone else as the nominee. But of course, if Biden is the nominee, they'll vote for him. And among the GOP field, it's not even close. Trump at 54, Ron DeSantis, 15%, Nikki Haley, 7%, although Haley has moved into second place in New Hampshire, second place at Trump, obviously. Uh, Mike Pence, 6 Tim Scott at 4%, uh, Chris Christie, 3%, Vivek Ramaswamy also at 3%. Yeah, DeSantis is continuing to fall for whatever reason. He's fallen from his 25% earlier in the month, actually back in May when he announced, and he continues to fall. 15% of U.S. adults say they are better off under Biden. Who are these people? 15%. Nearly three times as many, 44%, say they are worse off under Biden. And let's see, Bidenomics is a failure. 30% approve of Biden's handling of the economy. These are the socialists. In, in really, they're about 25 or 30 percent of, of America is socialist, and those are the people thinking uh, who think Biden's doing a great job. 75 percent of Americans say the economy is not so good or poor, including 57 percent giving it a, a negative grade. Biden gets an 87 percent not so good or poor on gas and energy prices. It should be 100. 91 percent not so good or poor on food prices. It should be 100. 23% approval or 62% disapproval on his handling of the border. Again, it should be 100% on those last three. So I want to make mention of this um, this dress code, the changing of the dress code in the U.S. Senate because of this John Fetterman, this moron who shows up at events in, in sweatpants and in, in sweatshirts. I mean, what about the decorum of the Senate? Every Senate Republican, I guess nearly all Senate Republicans have signed a letter to Majority Leader Chuck Schumer criticizing the chamber's new relaxed dress code as disrespectful. Schumer announced on Sunday that the upper chamber would no longer be requiring a dress code, which previously required men to wear a coat and tie, women to wear business attire. So he says they can wear whatever they want to. Not the staff. I'll get to that in a minute. GOP Senator Rick Scott of Florida spearheaded the letter denouncing the change, which was has informally become known as the Fetterman Rule, after the Democratic Pennsylvania Senator, John Fetterman, uh, did what he's been doing, wearing sweatshirts to work, they should say, look, you, that's not acceptable. Kick his behind out of the Senate. Have the sergeant in arms escort him out of the chamber until he gets dressed properly. But I'll read you part of the letter. The Senate is a place of honor and tradition. And the Senate floor is where we conduct the business of the American people. It is where we debate the policies which impact, I would say affect, every American family. And when necessary, it is where we must make the gravest decision imaginable, whether to send our fellow Americans into battle to defend the freedoms we all hold dear. Of course, we send our young men into battle for other reasons, but that's a whole show in and of itself. The world watches us on that floor, and we must protect the sanctity of that place at all costs. Well, the first sentence, a place of honor and tradition. Liberals hate tradition. So, and not every Republican senator, I don't know what happened to uh, Senators Josh Hawley of Missouri, Mike Braun of Indiana, Katie Britt of Alabama, but Scott wrote in a tweet that members should be respectful and dressed like a grown-up. That's all it amounts to, and that's perfect. He looks like a high school kid, Fetterman, only he's not as smart. 
It disrespects the institution, I think, allowing casual clothing. Fetterman's new dress code does not apply to staffers. They have to be in a suit and tie, the, the men and the women in, uh, you know, business attire. There was a similar issue <clears throat> a few years back here in the New York State Assembly. Uh, uh, Charles Barron, who is a Marxist, former Black Panther, did not wear a suit and tie into the chambers. He would wear his, into the chamber, I should say. He would wear his Mao outfit, whatever it is. It's no collar. But other assembly people had to be uh, properly attired, but not not him, for whatever reason. Now, Barron would have no doubt claimed there, there were racial reasons for clamping down on him. But we have to be in a suit and tie. If I enter the chamber, I've got to be in a, in a, a suit and tie. I mean, I, I'm, I'm not cut any slack. So why should he be? Fortunately, he's not in the uh, chamber anymore. But I'm sure he'll be, he'll be back at some point. I want to end on... Uh, on a health note here, a lot of people, especially where I work, lead a, a sedentary lifestyle. I work for the state. I'm, I'm, you know, on a computer a lot during the day. Not, it's not by my choosing. I'd rather not be. I'd rather be out in the woods somewhere, you know, building a shed or cutting wood. But I have to make a living and I need health care. But exercise, we all know, extends your life and especially certain kinds of exercise. Tennis. Tennis will give you 9.7 years in a gain in life expectancy. I read here from Newsmax Health. Now, if you saw the U.S. Open men's tennis final last week, Novak Djokovic and uh, Daniel Medvedev, these guys, uh, the, the second set alone, I think, was almost two hours long. I don't know how long the entire match was. I think Djokovic won it. But experts say tennis may be more than a physically challenging sport. It could be the best choice for living a longer, healthier life. Now, there are other factors, obviously. This was in Forbes uh, originally. But tennis ex extends life by 9.7 years. The study also examined badminton, soccer, jogging, cycling, calisthenics, swimming, and health club activities that included using treadmills, ellipticals, and weights. And tennis, 9.7 years plus. Badminton gets you 6.2 years. I mean, I'll take anything I can get. Soccer, 4.7. Cycling, 3.7 years. In additional life, of course, only God knows how long we're going to live. Swimming, 3.4 years. Jogging, 3.2. Calisthenics, 3.1 years. Health club activities, 1.5. Baseball, zero. And the reason for, <laughs> that's my favorite. Baseball is one of my favorite sports. As my father used to say, he played semi-professional baseball. He liked it because you take three swings and sit down. So anyway, that's uh, that. That's and uh, I guess that's all we have time for. I want to thank you very much, folks, for tuning us in. I didn't get to one story here that... I'll get to next week. You know, we can't get these Democrats in big cities and Democratic governors in, in blue states to uh, send these uh, illegal aliens back to where they came from. They don't deport anyone except this young Christian couple, German couple, that sought refuge in this country from their native Germany because they were homeschoolers and they are homeschoolers. And that's not permitted in Germany. These These people... Devout Christians, we'll get to it next week, didn't like what they were, uh, their children were being subject to in, in the public schools. You know, Over-sexualized, you know, stories about witchcraft and, and uh, not praying to God and disobeying your parents. Oh, this kind of crap. I'm sure it's being taught in some of our public schools here, too. But they said, this isn't going to happen. They yanked their kids out of school and they sought asylum here in New York. And I guess they had it for a while, but now Biden's sending them back. We'll get to it on the next program. Thank you very much, folks, for tuning us in. Please hit like before you depart and uh, hit subscribe. 
and we thank you very much. And don't forget, hit share, too, with your friends on social media. The last couple of shows we did have gotten a pretty good response, and we're very grateful for that. You know, tell your friends about it. Pass the word. It's Pac-Man. I'm the Pac-Man, Ted Flint. We do this at least once a week, and we're on the BMG Network. Wherever you listen to your podcasts, we're there. Spotify, Apple iTunes, you know, wherever you listen, we're there. And we do this once a week. We have some fine broadcasters on the BMG Network. My daughter among them, Madeline. She has a show this week called The Essentials, a new show. Every week she does a new show, and she's busy with college, too. And she's in her third year at SUNY Albany. And uh, it's called The Essentials with Maddie Flint. And please check it out. Thank you very much for tuning us in. If you want to contact me directly, it's Pacman, P-A-C-M-A-N, at thebmgnetwork.com, all lowercase. If the Lord wills it, we will talk to you soon. The Pac-Man Podcast was produced and edited in the BMG Studio. Music by Kevin McLeod. For more episodes of the Pac-Man Podcast, go to the bmgnetwork.com or go to the BMG Network on Facebook. And be sure to tune in to the next episode of the Pac-Man Podcast with Ted Flint. Thank you.